Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Folks, I see, I see that we're getting close to the end of the first chapter of James, and that's exciting um, because we've been going through the book of James, kind of not just verse by verse, but more idea by idea as we move through. So today we're going to move through uh, verses 22 through 25, and I'm actually going to read this. Uh, from the Passion Translation. I realize that many of you have other translations that you read from, uh, and that's great. I've read this before plenty of times through like the NIV, through the New American Standard, through the New Living. And there was something that grabbed me differently when I read it through the Passion Translation. And so I didn't want to just take it at face value that the, the authors of the Passion Translation got it right because it's a little different. And so I dug deeper into just some of the meanings of the words, the original Aramaic, how it was translated into Greek, how we translate it into English. And I'm confident that the way that I'm going to read this now is the way that um, we need to hear it, because many of us have heard it differently. And uh, many of us have filters on what this Uh, not only this verse, but what this entire book of James is saying to us. Because one of the great criticisms of this book, where it almost was not canonized, um, is that it seemed at some levels to contradict the teachings of Paul that spoke about the fact that we are saved by grace. That it's the faith that we have in Jesus Christ that justifies us, and brings us into right relationship with God, our Creator. James does not contradict that, although James does put an emphasis on action and doing, and it's connected to our faith. And so I guess the way that I could uh, sum it up is like, James and Paul are saying the same things. We might interpret what James is saying as, do these works and be saved, but I believe that as we read through the book of James, what we will hear is, because you are saved, now you can do these works. And I think that if we're not careful, we'll get mixed up in semantics, and we'll find ourselves wrestling, and it's okay to wrestle, actually, but we'll find ourselves wrestling with the overarching truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, which is because... He first loved us because he initiated, because God, now we, as opposed to that transactional relationship that would say, if I, then God. If I behave this way or do this thing, then God will bless me. Well, how about this? How about we understand that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, 
in whom there is no hidden fold or shadow, and he is on full display in the person of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus, now we. Because God, now we. And so as we read James 1, 22 through 25, let's keep that in the backdrop. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, they're fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all that they do. So that's James 1, 22 through 25 from the Passion Translation, which I love. Now, we're not going to unpack every single phrase, every single word in this, but we're going to draw from it an overarching concept that I think we can apply to our lives even this week. I want to start by telling you a story first. I'm going to take just a moment to tell this story. It involves my friend Mark Weaver. Does anyone know Mark Weaver? The infamous Mark Weaver. Mark and I have been friends for a lot of years. And uh, we've done many things together. We've gone on grand adventures. Some of them include motorcycles. Some of them include scuba diving. The one I want to talk about is a story of when he and I were hunting. We were up in the mountains just south of Steamboat, and it was just he and I on this particular trip. A lot of times when I go hunting, there's quite a crew. But it just so happened that this year, it was just Mark and I. And we found ourselves, after several days of hunting, uh, we were sitting next to a campfire right outside of our tent. So we were sitting next to this campfire, and we were actually listening to my old radio. So I have this uh, transistor radio and it has the little antenna that sticks up, and you can move it in the right direction to get the signal just right. And um, <clears throat> it's an AM, FM. And we were up on this ridge, and our camp was set up, and the sun had gone down, and we were sitting by this campfire, and we had just finished dinner. And we just pulled, and it was kind of warm out, actually. It was not that cold, even though it was November. And we had pulled our lawn chairs out, and we just sat them down, and we just were hanging out. And we dialed in the radio, and we were listening. To, uh, it was a Sunday night, I remember that specifically, because this radio show that came on was called On Being, On Being, by Krista Tippett. And Krista Tippett was um, interviewing a woman, her name is um, Anna, and uh, she had translated a book that had been translated from German into English, and Krista Tippett, on this little radio show that we were listening to, was interviewing um, Anita Bowens, actually, that's her name. And the book that she had translated is this book right here. 
and it's called Rilke's Book of Hours. And the subtitle is Love Poems to God. So Mark Weaver and I, we've been hunting for several days. We smell like goats. We're hanging out by this campfire, enjoying some time together, listening to Krista Tippett talk to the translator of this book. You see, the thing about this book is, uh, this book was written between 1899 and 1903 in Germany, and it was written by uh, Rainier Wilke, and she was Rilke, and she was a, young, a younger woman when she wrote this. So this is actually a book of poetry. And... <clears throat> We're sitting there, and we're listening, and the translator is asked by Krista Tippett to please recite a poem. And so she recites a poem, and I can't remember exactly which poem she recited, but I'll go ahead and read one of Rilke's poems and remember that these are really prayers. They're love poems to God. I believe in all that has never yet been spoken. I want to be free to awaken the things that are within me so that what no one has dared to wish for may for once spring clear without my contriving. If this is arrogant, God, forgive me. But this is what I need to say. May what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back, the way it is with children. Then in these swelling and ebbing currents, these deepening tides moving out, returning, I will sing you. As no one has ever streaming through widening channels into the deep, open sea. She stops. We hear the crackling of the fire. And I look over to see if I'm the only one crying. And big burly Mark is wiping tears from his eyes as we're connecting with something beautiful. And Mark and I are, you know, we're definitely like in this moment and he leans back and he lets out a soft groan and he's like, oh my. Maybe you've heard Mark do that before. <laughs> Metaphor, symbols, word pictures that speak of things larger than words. You see, Mark and I had spent the previous year exploring through many conversations, what it meant to be children of God. We had both grown up in a culture of church that celebrated service to the cause. We had both been trained in the evangelical ideas that knowledge of God and the teachings of Scripture are supreme, and they are celebrated if you know them. (laughs) Um, we had also been, over the years, as they moved on, we had both matured into a deeper spiritual life where the heart began to get validated, that you could actually begin to worship 
from a personal and more intimate place with God. So even though Mark and I hadn't known each other all those years, when we met each other, we were on a similar journey of discovering the deeper things of God. And so in all those conversations, in all of those things that we had been talking about for the previous year leading up to this night, sitting next to the campfire, being touched by poetry, we had discovered that we can be committed servants, that we can study to show ourselves approved, that we can even be ardent worshipers of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we can do all of these things without actually loving another person. What we had been witnessing in each other as friends was that more than servant of God, more than student of God, and even more than worshiper of God, we are children of God. And as children, that makes us brothers. That makes us family. That makes us something other than co-laborers, the one who's trying to win the argument, and the one who's lost in their bubble, disconnected from the people in the same room. But as children of God, as Rilke says, I want to be free, no, excuse me, it says, I want to free what awaits within me so that what no one has dared to wish for may for once spring clear without my contriving, may what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back the way it is with children. So let's circle back around to James 1.22. Listen to this with everything that I've just shared in mind. Connect to it from a little more of a poetic heart connect than from a cognitive brain connect alone. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like a person who looks into the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all that they do. Let me remind you from a couple of weeks ago, as we move further into what we're reading here, the concept of the word word, you getting that? Okay, the concept of the word word here, it's, um, it's more textured than simply and please, no disrespect, but it's more textured than simply the Bible. Yes, we draw from the scripture as we orient towards the words of truth, absolutely. But if you recall from two weeks ago, when I was teaching on James 1.18, the Aramaic translation of the phrase, the words, no, excuse me, 
The translation of the Aramaic phrase, uh, the truth of his infallible word, that's in James 1.18, is literally translated, does anyone remember what it's literally translated? The word of the rainbow sign. So the Aramaic, when they translate the truth of, the, of his infallible word, it's translated uh, more literally, the word of the rainbow sign. That is the word of promise. Okay? And so specifically, we're talking about the new covenant promises that we have as new creations in Jesus Christ. And so I'll just go ahead and as a reminder, just remember that it was Jesus that took the cup of redemption at the last Passover meal that he had with his disciples before he was put on trial and led to the cross and suffered a horrific death, was buried and raised again on the third day, lived out um, his 40 days with his people, teaching them about the kingdom of God before he ascended. So all of this was happening as a precursor to this when Jesus took that cup, that cup of redemption, and he said, this is my blood that seals the new covenant, the promise. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. And as we read in Hebrews 9.15, Jesus is the one who has enacted this new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation will receive the eternal inheritance he has promised to his heirs, a.k.a. children. For he died to release us from the guilt of the violations committed under the first covenant. And you remember what the first covenant is, right? I mean, that's the strict adherence to the Mosaic law. So no longer the word of the law, which brings death, but the word of promise that was first voiced by the prophet Jeremiah. You guys remember what the new covenant is? It's this. This is a covenant I will make with them. I will put my words on their hearts. I will write them on their mind. I will be their God and they will be my people, a.k.a. family. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. So this changes how we allow the words of God to inform how we live. Can you imagine that the words written in your heart and on your mind were written by a poet? Listen to James. Let my words become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. And if you listen to the words and don't live the message you hear, in other words, if you don't listen to the poetic voice of God, your creator, and if you don't listen to what it's saying to you, you become like a person who looks in a mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. That's going to be a phrase we'll catch here in a minute. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of his word but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. So what does poetry do for us? It engages our heart. It uses language to stir our imaginations to possibilities. It expands our thinking and makes us brave to dream bigger dreams. Simply put, it moves us. And it moves us from where we currently are to where we can be. I think the same could be said for blessings as well. Is it possible for words to transform us? I believe it is. Now, think of the words of truth 
as a mirror. And the mirror is in you. When you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. And it's said of the Holy Spirit that he is the spirit of truth, and he will lead you to all truth. Could you imagine that the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is like a mirror? But instead of this mirror reflecting back to you who you think you are, your fragments, your flaws, this mirror actually reflects to you who God knows you to be, the truth of who you really are, your true self. The more literal translation of this encouragement tells us that if you look into this mirror and don't actually believe it's true, what the word is saying to you, you don't believe it's true and you live contrary to that truth, you're living in self-deception. James goes so far as to say that this mirror not only shows us what God believes about your life, this mirror shows you your divine origin, specifically in here. This is fascinating to me. So let me ask you this question. Are you allowing yourself to connect deeply with God's original intent for your life? Your divine origin. Can you imagine what your life would be like had you been born in the Garden of Eden before evil brought deception and fragmentation? Can you believe that? Could you actually imagine that? That would be something, wouldn't it? How would you live differently if you knew that you were made right? If you actually heard, maybe the first words you ever heard from God, oh, this is good. So how would being surrounded by the love of God change your attitudes and attention to others? How would knowing that you're, you're provided for and you're safe, how would that change the way you give of yourself? Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Can you imagine that the, th the work of Christ through all of the atoning sacrifice that I just described and the power of the resurrection and the authority of the ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit coming into your life was to bring you back home to yourself, like how you were originally intended to be? Can you imagine that that was the gift, that that is actually the good news? Do you believe it? Do you think it? I mean, Proverbs 23.7 tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the big question here is this. When you reflect on your life, do you think about yourself from limiting perspectives, like through the lens of your brokenness, your failures, your past, your agreements with false beliefs? Or, as you reflect on your life, are you allowing the words of promise, those prophetic dreams of God, those poetic dreams of God, written in your heart and on your mind. Remember, his words are written in your heart and on your mind. And they speak. Do you allow them to inform how you think about yourself? 
Are those thoughts informing your words? And are those thoughts motivating your actions? I think this is really at the heart of what James is saying here. Isn't that, I mean, it's pretty sweet to me. It's like, well, actually, you know what? It's not a formula. Like, if I hear God tell me to do something in the scripture, then I go and do it, and God's going to bless me. No, it's God has blessed you. He has made a way for you to come home to God's original intent for your life. And if you let the words of truth that are written on your heart and your mind speak to you about who you really are from his perspective, and you believe it, and you live it, then the blessing that God always intended for you to experience comes to life. I think to do otherwise is to live in self-deception, which I said before, and that's kind of hard to hear. But I've had to say it to myself. Like, I'm not living the fullness of who God's created me to be, and, and therefore, the way that I'm living is actually like a pretend life. The invitation this morning is to believe what the mirror of God's word is showing you about yourself and to allow that truth to bring you home to your place of origin. Friends, you are children of God. And you were created to experience love and to express love. So let the words of this, uh, what did it say, the rainbow promise? I love it. Um, that are written in your hearts and on your minds speak the truth to you. And in that, we're going to allow the divine poet to engage our hearts, to stir our imaginations to the possibilities, to expand our thinking and to give us courage to dream bigger dreams. Simply put, we're going to let God move us from where we currently are to where we can be. And so I'd like to close by reciting one more poem from this book. It's short and sweet. I would describe myself like a landscape I've studied at length in detail. Like a word I'm coming to understand. Like a picture I pour from at mealtime, like my mother's face. Like a ship that carried me when waters raged. So friends, my encouragement here is that when you and I, when we settle more deeply into our truest identity as sons and daughters, and when we begin to live out the truth that the spirit of life is speaking to us about who we are, that's going to inform how we behave. That's going to change the way we respond. That's going to change the way we engage people. That's going to give us a greater capacity to not only receive love, but to express love, even when the waters are raging. And so with that, I'd love to pray. Thank you so much for letting me navigate through James 1, 22 through 24 in a way that you probably didn't see coming. But that's the fun of it. Oh, I have a new, uh, a new um, life quote that I heard this last week. Um, Every day is a surprise party, and you're the guest of honor. So thanks for being the guest of honor in this little surprise party. 
as we move through James and just awaken our hearts because you know what? Those moments when you're sitting next to a campfire and all of a sudden you experience the love of Jesus in a way that you didn't see coming, those are good surprises. So with that, I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, I want to thank you for all the ways that you are loving us and all the ways that you are speaking to us. And I am acutely aware that many of us, we have grown to distrust our hearts and question our thinking. And for good reason, sometimes, you know. But when it comes to listening and looking at the mirror of the word of truth that you have placed within us, that we read in the scripture that echoes the truth, Jesus, give us the grace to trust what we hear. Help us not fight you. Help us agree with you. Help us, even when we think to ourselves, this is too good to be true, like that should be a clue, like maybe it is actually the point, and it's true, like it is so good what you are doing for us. It is so good how you are helping us and empowering us to come back to that original intent where we are safe in you, where we are provided for by you, where we are surrounded by your love. And we are not alone. Like you are the one who says, it's not good that this man should be alone. And so, God, you have created for us relationships with others. And so, God, thank you for making all things new. Thank you for that process. And thank you for the Um, the fact that it is happening and it is now. And so, Jesus, would you just settle on us right now? I just want to pray for peace to come over our hearts and our minds. And in any way that we acknowledge or recognize that maybe we've been living falsely, that we would not be content to live in any self-deception at all, But Lord, we would renounce any agreement that we've made with lies, even about ourselves, especially about ourselves. That we would have the courage to say, Jesus, I renounce the belief, fill in the blank, and I also renounce any evil that has inflicted me as the result of believing this thing. Because we know the enemy of your soul is the father of lies. Now, Jesus, speak the truth and give me the courage to believe it and the strength to live it out. And in this, God, I think we're going to take James's encouragements to heart and live it and not just hear about it. And so, God, we pray all of these things in your incredible name. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, 
feel free to drop us a line at EmmausFellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.